Hello and welcome back to Premier League on Tap, your EPL Fantasy Draft Podcast. I am Nate, joining me today is Zach. Uh, Peter unfortunately can't be with us today due to, uh, you know, his like actual job uh, keeping him away, which is unfortunate, but we'll just have to make do without him today. Um, I think it's going to be a good episode. I'm pretty fired up. I'm not very happy right now. Um, I lost in the Genie League by less than five points, so... Uh, I made some crucial errors this game week, but we'll kind of get to what we got right, what we got wrong. Zach, how are you doing? How did you do this weekend? Uh, Tell me some good news. There's not a lot of good news to report. Um, Unfortunately, lots of losses on my end. Just one of those game weeks, uh, it sounds like for you too. So after our little therapy session uh, before this, as we... You know, griped and moaned about all the things that went wrong that we could have done differently. Uh, here we are presented with a chance to do things differently in game week 26, which is exciting. Um, but I'm wondering what kind of things you took away from game week 25 and all your misery and pain. So I don't trust Everton's defense. Um, probably shouldn't have to begin with. <laughs> um, but a uh, few things that I got right. This game week, uh, I was in the right mind as far as West Ham's defense. Uh, I took Vladimir Sufal. Unfortunately, I picked up Furpo and then dropped him last second to pick up Sufal. Uh, my reasoning behind that was because I already had Melier in, get, in goal and I had Ailing as a defender. So triple leads defense. I wasn't like gung-ho about that one wasn't too happy i wanted to change things up i think west ham had a really good job or a really good uh matchup to keep a clean sheet which they did but sufal got injured scored seven points in the first half which is good but unfortunately he wasn't able to play the second half which he easily could have eclipsed double digits um so thought process was right on there just unfortunately picked the wrong defender um mcneil I uh, chose him as a start of the week, played him in all my matchups, even though he was going up against Arsenal, and boy, did he ball out. 31 points in a double game week. He's back to his former ghost in glory, and I am just excited to have him as a part of my roster. Um, the one thing I thought uh, that was going to happen was Chelsea was going to tweak things a little bit uh, and play more of a direct game against Tottenham. Uh, as a Spurs fan, I'm glad they didn't. Uh, they really didn't pose a threat at all. They were just happy passing around the uh, edges of the park. So I picked up Madueke, uh as a start of the week. Unfortunately, he didn't play. So that one kind of thought wrong thought process there. Um, what uh, what were some of your takeaways, Zach? Yeah. So uh, just to start with the the starts of the week, you know, I had a Guard um, who I was a little bit luckier on since I kind of went with a non consensus pick. Uh, at you know picking a center back from West Ham as opposed to uh, what felt like a lot of people suggesting Sufal. Um, and thankfully that worked out uh, with I think 13 points total. Uh, obviously you're banking on the clean sheet so I, I'd consider it a small W but we still take them and uh, glad to have him on the team. Unfortunately Somerville weren't wasn't able to get in the squad so you know DMPs kind of ruin all sort of uh, process related. Uh, decisions unless your part of your decision is that you're banking on them to start later in the week but I was not um 
and then Onwachu, uh, I'd say, you know, he say what you want, but you have an aerial floor. The problem is Southampton is just not in a place right now where you want to get too involved with them. So I'm going to consider him an L in the process. I don't think I'm dropping him yet, but he, um, you know, his lack of minutes and production so far is um, not being ignored by me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say Liverpool defenders was a big W. I know a lot of people were looking at them to stream this week, um, given the double game week. And I think they paid off for those managers, um, given the fact that they uh, gave up zero goals over the course of two games. Um, the problem was, is if you had somebody like Robertson, uh, mm-hmm. i.e. me, uh, <laughs> they didn't start both games, which was really annoying. But... Yeah. Uh, you know, again, process over results, and you can't predict who's. I mean, you can predict who's going to start, but you don't know who's going to start. So, you just want to be a piece of the pie when a team like Liverpool is playing Crystal Palace, who literally can't buy a goal, might be almost as bad, if not worse, at scoring than Everton, um, and against Wolves, who you know Liverpool are at home in a revenge game, um, still probably feeling the pain from that three nothing loss. Uh, you got to believe they're going to come and turn up. So they did. And um, you love to see big Virgil getting a goal. So a uh, big, big win for them. Um, but I'd say uh, also along the same point you said, Everton defenders, man, they're just souring by the day. Um, I'm still not at a position where I would drop someone like Tarkowski, but the rest of them are firmly streamers. Um, and I mean, I would drop Tarkowski, but... Um, you know, even in the right matchups, I just feel like I can't trust them. Like, they had a double game week. I know one of them was against Arsenal, but they played Aston Villa and didn't score particularly well. So it's like, what you know, if we can't start them in a double game week where at least one of the matchups is good or decent, when when mm-hmm. do we want to start them? I, yeah. Not often. So, I, I, again, I wasn't high on them, really. I wasn't low on them. But I was cautiously optimistic that some guys like Coleman could be okay. And when they come out and get three to five points, that's kind of a bummer so yeah when you give up four goals it's really hard to score yeah well <laughs> uh before we jump into the fixtures i do have a question for you this actually just hit me before we started recording right um how many flips of a light switch does it take to what's the like reasonable number to realize that the light bulb is in fact burnt out and not actually going to turn on um Is this going to kind of prove like a metaphor to a player today or? No, I was in my uh, kitchen and I flipped the light switch at least four or five times and the light didn't come on. I was like, do we not have power? But then my computer's on, all the other lights are on and I'm like, oh shit, this light bulb is in fact just burnt out and I need to change it. Well, um, (laughs) as, as, uh, as an engineer. I would say that that is probably broken after about two tr- two attempts if you've checked the breaker. All right. Well, me as a uh, certified idiot did it about five or six times. So <laughs> <laughs> not an engineer. Oh, well. All right. We cleared that up. That's all right. I just wanted to know. I was curious. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's jump into the game week 26 fixtures. We're going to start off with the Saturday uh, fixtures, obviously. Uh, first game on the cards, 
Man City host Newcastle. Uh, famous 3-3 draw the last time out uh, when these guys played earlier in the season. But City is now a 1.25 goal favorite with an over-under sitting at 2.75. Uh, I think it goes kind of without saying anymore. We kind of say the same thing about City week in and week out. Um, at home, they have a 44% clean sheet odd. Is it still the same thing where we're kind of just avoiding the City defenders in this one? Man, it's just like every week I'm going in and I'm checking the clean sheet odds, getting them all together, and I just get so disappointed when I see City are over 40% because I'm like, someone's going to start him because of this. They're at 44%, but I'm not starting them. Still, never. Please no. Like, they're at home, which is the which is one of the bigger um, temptations for me as a, a defensive streamer. But, like, I guess I guess what people probably would consider the top streamer would be, like, a Rico Lewis. Would you start him? Because I'm not. No. No. Okay. He doesn't score any points. None of them do. Right. Right. He doesn't score any points. The end. I mean, they they played Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth, and they gave up a goal in each one of those. In their last five games, they've given up a goal. Their last clean sheet was at home to Wolves. So, I don't know. I mean, they have two clean sheets in their last ten games. So, banking on the clean sheet isn't going to help you when yeah. even if you do get that clean sheet, your defender scored nine points. I thought it was so funny that Bournemouth scored against them still, too. I thought it was hilarious. It, they, it, it literally sums up why you don't start them. Exactly. Um, I, I just updated the team scoring rankings. If, if, you're, if any of you are looking for those, it just highlights the uh, points per 90 that defenders, midfielders, and forwards get for uh, every team in the Prem. It ranks them. And it also gives you their, their highest points per 90 player in case they might be available on your waiver wire, if they're even desirable. Uh, but uh, at 14th is Man City right now with 4.98. Yeah, and that's kind of a uh, sneak peek into the newsletter article that'll be coming out tomorrow, hopefully. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of a deep dive into those defenders and why you should be rotating your defenders extremely often, uh, especially mm-hmm. in these last uh, 12 to 14 game weeks. Yep. So... Moving on from here, uh, the Newcastle side, they have conceded in each of their last five games, seven goals in total. Uh, I personally am a little down on this Newcastle defense, uh, especially because they just lost in the League Cup final. Uh, That might be kind of a punch in the crotch to these guys. Uh, We'll see how they bounce back against City, but as far as... The defenders go outside of Trippier. I would probably look to see if they hold any trade value, um, depending on who you have as defenders, what other pieces you may need. Um, you might be able to get like a solid mid two or three for one of the center backs. Um, so that might be something I'm looking into. Uh, what's your take on the Newcastle defense? Oh, man. I mean,. I think, I think you're still, I think you're still starting them here, right? 
for the, for, the, for the sake of this week, like I know I know we're talking longer term, but but would you start them here? Like this is a pretty good test, I guess. They're away That's the to thing. City. I think this is like the hardest test, especially because the last time out it was three to three, and so you're already expecting goals to be scored, and I don't think they ghost well enough. I'm talking like Botman, Burn, and Shar don't ghost well enough to justify starting them in a match where they could easily concede two plus goals yeah i mean they're they're still um you know top five in preventing shot creating action so you know they're it's good at preventing the goals but i think they have gotten relatively lucky um so far getting all these clean sheets i'm not saying I'm not saying they didn't deserve a lot of them, but I think some regression of the mean is incoming. So mm-hmm. I think it's totally reasonable to look out to, or to to look to trade some of these guys out. But uh, as a whole, I just don't know what you're going to get. Um, like I was telling you earlier, I think you're going to have to play kind of a mind game there and um, maybe convince somebody that they're getting a steal by buying the guy quote unquote low when in reality they're not. Um, yeah. I, I don't think there's... Um, you know, I don't think there's a major deal to be had with these guys yet. Um, obviously I think probably more so than selling, I would be looking to buy and just, just test the waters with your league and, and the manager who, who has some of these players, maybe go for one of the easier guys. Like I know Botman's been good, but, um, you know, he's a center back, so he's less, less appealing to some guys. Maybe try and float an offer out for someone like him and just see what it would take. Um, I, I'd be interested to see what that would look like. Mm-hmm. Um, another player that is kind of on that sphere of like, hey, do I buy him? Do I hold him? Do I sell him? Uh, Phil Foden. He just scored 34.5 points against the league's worst defense with the amount of game time he's getting right now, it's kind of sporadic. Where are you at as far as like a buy, hold, sell? Ooh, man. He's uh, I mean, he's a talent. He's six in shot creating actions um, on the season per 90. Uh, so, you know, whenever he's on the field, he's dangerous. Uh, and, and really the biggest inhibitor for him to be viable for fantasy is, is he going to play? Um, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's really the problem for a lot of guys, but, uh, <laughs> uh, for city more so than others, you know, like you're probably starting almost any city forward mid, uh, that kind of gets forward in any respect. And, and even guys like Rodri are viable this season. So if he's going to continue to get starts, I'm very bullish on him, but, and obviously he's, he's done well as of recently. He's on a, I mean, complete tear. Um, it's just, again, I mean, for both of these teams, this is the test. Newcastle's Newcastle is pretty stout defensively. Um, they'll have Pope back here. So, I mean, I, do you think he starts, I guess is, is a good question for you. He started on the right, right? In place of Mares. I thought he went left. Cause I thought Grealish played. Uh, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm thinking of the minutes. FA Cup game. I'm thinking of the FA Cup game. Yeah, Mara's only had 17 minutes against Bournemouth. So, I mean... 
I would think he kind of has to play, mm-hmm. especially after that performance. I would think Pep probably doesn't rotate too much. I think the only incoming player would have to be Kevin DeBruyne, who was benched that game and cost me my fucking game week. But doesn't sound like you're salty at all about it, though. No, I'm not even like mad at, at all. I'm so happy about it. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't see a whole lot of rotation, especially because of how he performed um so i think he kind of has to just roll that same team out i think alvarez is the player that might come off in place of de Bruyne, and they might change the formation a little bit but yeah i think if you have foden you're probably going to keep him especially for this match hmm i want to hear an interesting stat though is city have the lowest uh non-penalty xg plus xa xag against um in the league so their opponents are not particularly um they don't get a lot of volume against them i guess i'd say which leads me to the point i don't want to spend all day on city but it leads me to the point that i mentioned before we started recording is that ederson is not a good shot stopper no, no. I'm, so. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I, he's a drop, uh, and I, I don't care if it's a double game week. I, I'd just be done with him because a goalkeeper doesn't really matter, but it, it hurts you when they do literally nothing. Yeah, when so. he faces one shot. Yeah, you you want in. him to get you the occasional <laughs> like ten points, you know. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. All right, let's yes, please. So. We just talked about Bournemouth. We're going to touch on them now. Uh, the league-leading Arsenal faced the worst defense in the league, Bournemouth. Arsenal at home, a 1.75 goal favorite with an over-under sitting at about three. Uh, I think Arsenal have the highest clean sheet odds sitting at 56% here this weekend. So Bournemouth have allowed 32 goals away from home, which is obviously the highest in the league. Um, everyone on Arsenal's a start. Yeah, this feels like one of those matchups where, you know, when we pose the question to listeners, like, are we going to cover every matchup? This would be enemy number one to um, eliminate from our analysis, given the the odds tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, Arsenal at home minus one point seven five, lots of goals in it. Start them, Bournemouth. Mm-hmm bench him the end i think the only player that we really need to touch on as far as bournemouth is hamid traore we kind of talk about him every week now since he's joined the team he's ghosting really well and he's someone that should probably be in your lineup game in and game out regardless of who they're playing um if anything is going to stem from this bournemouth attack he's probably at the center of it so I'm comfortable sending him out there if he's my like mid three or four, depending on how I set my team up. Um, but yeah, like you said, I, I don't know where the goal is coming from. So if they do score, and so I'm just avoiding literally everyone else on this Bournemouth team. I'd consider Dango, Dango Unchained, uh, <laughs> Otara. I think he's probably at a similar level to Amitraore. Um, he went 90 minutes last week where Amitraori went out in the 75th. So 
I think whoever's the better streamer against Arsenal this week is really just going to come down to who gets more minutes um, mm-hmm. because there's not much to be had when Arsenal's got 56% clean sheet odds. Holy hell. Um, yeah. That is that for those of you who don't follow clean sheet odds, I, I don't think I've seen one that high in a long time. Um, so, you know, start all. I, I, I'd be willing to start any Arsenal defender. I don't care who their, who their name is personally. Yeah. I mean, ideally, you're really only looking at um, you want to check the lineups as soon as they come out because if Tamiyasu is starting, mm-hmm. he's literally your only option into this defense maybe tyranny if he gets the random start but Sinchenko's playing so well right now i highly doubt he yeah, gets a start I, I mean i mean if per murder came out of retirement and started for this arsenal back line i think i'd start him i would too and he'd probably just stand still yeah oh yeah stoke <laughs> as always that uh, 12 pace on FIFA. <laughs> that high? You get a boost? <laughs> uh, let's move on here. Let's uh, let's shift gears to Ashton Villa hosting Crystal Palace. Villa favored by half a goal with an over-under of 2.25. Uh, Villa have a clean sheet odds, 42%. Um, so one of the higher ones this week. Uh Talk to me a little bit about this Villa side. Obviously, you're riding the hot hand of Ali Watkins. He scored five and five. So who can we kind of key in around him who we think might be the supplier of the Ali Watkins goal? Yeah, I mean, McGinn did pretty well last week as well. Um, so he's one to keep an eye on. But um, it seems like this Villa side might be kind of figuring things out a little bit. Uh, I unfortunately wasn't able to watch that game. Uh, or at least too much of that game. I, I think I saw a couple of the highlights, but um, you know they're at home here against Crystal Palace. I said last week start your Liverpool assets against Palace, and I will pair with the same information with Villa. I think all of them are great starts this week. Um, I'd be interested to hear your opinion on the defenders because um, I have an inkling that you're negative on them, and I would sway the opposite direction. So, I mean, I am. But I guess I will preface this with I'm negative on the Villa defenders if they're playing against a uh, somewhat decent attack, someone who or a team that is able to score goals. Um, so Crystal Palace really doesn't tick that box very well. I was going to um, say that box has been pretty empty often, so... But I just think of the Palace options of Olise, Eze, Ayu. They can score on any given any given attack. Uh, Olise can score from a dead dead ball, and I think really the Villa defenders aren't going to score that well unless they get a clean sheet. So you're really gambling on the Villa clean sheet at home, which. Yes, these defenders are probably ones that you're able to stream. So with a 42% clean sheet odds, you can roll the dice on it. But I think there's just not enough attacking sense between Dini and Cash right now that I've seen, especially against Everton, um, to warrant that gamble. Okay, but... 
Maddie Cash got two games of 90 minutes and got five and 12.25. Obviously, one of them had an assist, so, uh, you know, take take what you will. But, I, I mean, Palace are just so impotent. The over-under of 2.25 is not because of Villa. They're, they put up four goals against Everton, or mm-hmm. two goals against Everton last week, um, and gave up four against Arsenal. So they've got goals yeah. on either direction, but it's Palace here that are dictating that over-under, and Villa are favored. So I think I, I think that Villa defenders are safe options with floors, probably is how I'd phrase it. I wouldn't say they're... they're you know, known to get forward a lot and are going to present you with some massive upside. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not pretty, I'm not very high on it. I can understand the reasoning why you would be palace. I think have scored in at least six of their last 10 games. So it's like a 50, 50 chance that they score. Obviously, because the clean sheet odds are at 42. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> you're a sharp. Uh, but they're winless in their last nine games, so it doesn't like give me confidence that they're going to play well. But I could see this being like a 3-1 Villa win. And then if uh-huh. Cash or Dini don't get a goal contribution, then they're left with like four points. But I think that's the floor. That yeah. that's where I'm coming from. But anyways, True. they're not going to go negative. Start so. start them at your own discretion. But I think you could do worse than starting a pal and then a, a Villa defender against Palace at home. Yeah, I mean, as far as the Palace side goes, are there any players on this side that you're kind of keying in on and someone that you might want to pick up this week? Honestly, no. I'm I'm actually going to see this one to you because I think you have the only player that. And I don't even know myself if I'd start him, but there's nobody on this team I would start other than Elise. So I would start Jordan Ayew mainly because the forward landscape sucks and he has ghosted 11 points in both of his, like, in each of the last two games. So, and against Brentford and Liverpool, which, granted, aren't, the best defenses, um, I mean, 0-0 against Liverpool, but Liverpool's defense has been suspect. So it's not that he needs to score to score well. So I think even if he is your forward two or three, if he can score you over eight points, I'm taking that all day. Yeah, I mean... And here's the other thing. Uh, you're, you're semi-talking me into him. This brings me to more of a macro discussion that I think needs to be had and um, is is a little bit scintillating from a, a data point of view. But, uh, you know, with the new substitution rules this season, how, you know, players are rarely playing full 90s, especially when their teams suck because mm-hmm. the managers can afford to just swap people out because, you know, they want to see what works. Um a guy who's going to play a full 90 has a lot of value because he, I mean, the best ability is availability, right? Correct. If guys are going out in the 60th minute, that kills you. Like, how can you bank on a guy going in for 45 to 60 minutes 
and getting you the points you need. You can't. Mm-hmm. I, at least IU, it, I mean, as of the past three games, has gone full 90s. Yep. So I guess I'm arguing for you a little here. I, I still don't <laughs> think I would want to. I'd lean an upside guy, but if you think about a guy in the converse, um, like like a Paul Unwachu, for instance, who I suggested last week, I don't think he he passed the 70th minute. And it might not seem like a lot, but that's a big deal when you're talking about your team's total minutes. Like mm-hmm. We talk about double game weeks, and we're so interested in double game weeks, but then we ignore the fact that some players are not playing full 90s. So um, I think that's a good shout. I I don't mind it. It's I think a, more of a floor play, kind of similar to the Villa defenders, but um, not a bad shout. Yeah, it's also trying to find... Like I said, the forward landscape is not great. Trying to find players around that streamable aspect that are, like you said, going to play 90 minutes. And if they do, like, what is their floor and what's their ceiling? So just for instance, around Jordan Ayew's 28% roster percentage, you have Mateus Cunha, who goes up against Tottenham, Neil Maupe playing up against Nottingham Forest, Daka, Southampton, Anoachu, Lester, uh, Madueke's leads. So, I mean, there are players there with decent matchups, but are they guaranteed even 70-plus minutes? Yeah, it's a strong so. consideration. Like I said, with the new sub rules, it matters yeah. a lot more than it used to. All right, moving on here, we've got Brighton hosting West Ham. Brighton favored by .75 goals with an over-under of 2.5. One of the teams who did not play last game week is Brighton, so they should be a little bit more fresh, even though they played in the, what, FA Cup? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. FA Cup. So this Brighton team, uh, Stupidon looks questionable, but... In lieu of Estupignan, is there anyone else on this Brighton side? Obviously, like, your entire midfield's pretty much taken. I think Caicedo's the lowest percentage-owned midfielder, and he's still above 60%. So is there anyone here that is, like, a must-start or you think you're able to stream in this matchup? Uh, I mean, what do you know how Ferguson is rostered He's around days? 38% rostered. He's yeah, so that needs to that be that needs to be higher. Day. He he kind of goes against what we just talked about with the minutes. Like I don't have full confidence in going a full ninety yet, but he's young. Um, so in the event where they don't have cup matches and they obviously don't have Europa League or Champions League, uh, at least this year, anyways. Um, you know, he I think in the future he might be more safe to start full nineties. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it's a positive matchup for him. West Ham actually could be quite a bit annoying uh, defensively, but obviously you have to feel pretty confident in starting a stupid on if he does start. Or I, th- I think Lamptey is like a like a low end defender two, maybe high end defender three. Um, just given the way defenders look nowadays in 2023. Other than that, I really don't have too many people from brighton i mean they i think they're highly owned because of how they started the season so people have been uh wary of dropping any of these assets and obviously it's just the matoma show every week yeah 
Yeah, it seems to be him and Ferguson setting the world on fire, and then you have McAllister and March that pop up, kind of, and then Gross is just hanging out in the background, can score about 30 points on a game week, and then scores you about three. So uh, this team is kind of interesting, but I agree with you as far as Ferguson goes. I think he's a solid forward, too. He's played seven games, and he has three goals and two assists. So, I mean, he's kind of hit the ground running. Lamptey, he gets forward even though sometimes he can't really produce much, but he gives you that upside that you're looking for as far as a defender. Plus, you get that 40% clean sheet odd. So, uh, as far as Brighton goes, I would pretty much play most anyone besides the center backs. They just they score horribly. Um, and then... Moving to this West Ham side, the I want to preface the West Ham team with don't overreact to the massive win over Forest. It's a small blip in an entirely woeful season. Um, Forest away from home are the league's worst team, and so Brighton are a much better side. And with West Ham away from home now. I think they're going to be a little bit more compact, try and keep things tight. They won't be as expansive as they were against Forrest. I don't think they're going to put away four goals. They might be lucky to get one. So with that, with what you saw last week compared to what you're anticipating this week, uh, who is appealing on this West Ham side for you? Um defensively so Brighton have actually not been kind of falling into the goals as they were earlier in the season so I could I could see starting starting someone like Cresswell um I don't think I could really get behind any of the center backs Sufal would be okay but he got injured last game so I'm probably left with just Cresswell at left back and um you know, like then your normal starters are fine. Like, I think Suchek appeals to me while while Puckett is out. But Declan Rice, I know he scored, but I'm just I just can't get behind him as a, as like a floor play. But um, you know, he's a safety blanket kind of for your team if you have him. Uh, the last question would be, I guess, and I'll put this on you because this guy just irks me. Um, D- Danny Ings doing Danny things. <laughs> um, 22 points last week with two goals. Like, you're not, you're not buying, are you? You're not one of them. No, because, I mean, if you break it down, don't forwards get nine points for a goal? Correct, yeah. Nine points Two for points for a shot on target. So, so he got four ghost points. No, no. You get two points for a shot on target, right? Yeah, but that should be a ghost point to me. Eh, not necessarily, because I would assume if, it, as a, if, if it's with the goal, it's an automatic 11 points. No, it's so, you get nine points for the goal, and then you get two points for the shot, and they sum together to give you 11 points, but... I don't know. The way I've always counted ghost points is you shouldn't be penalized ghost point wise for scoring the goal. You should just not. You should just subtract the result from the shot because it might not always go in. It might be saved. But I digress. It's still four ghost points, no matter. Yeah. Even if you count it or not, he's not going to score two goals again. No. So and he's he's the chances of him going a full. I mean, he went 83 minutes last week. The chances of him going even above 75, I think, are 
extremely low in what looks to be a negative game script away from home. Yeah, so I'm not buying on that one. So I think there's better options against weaker sides. Agreed. All right, moving on to a game that I just I I don't know. <laughs> um, Chelsea host leads. Chelsea are favored in this matchup by .75 goals with an over-under of 2.5. Um, 42% clean sheet odds for Chelsea at home. Um, where are you at with this Chelsea side? I could not figure out what to write down for this Chelsea team. I legitimately wrote down, fuck it, do whatever you want, because I, I just don't know. <laughs> Interesting. I uh, I would I would actually start every defender they have this game um, because they are currently the fifth best defensive option. Not that that matters a ton. It looks like only the top six have any type of an advantage, and and I mean slightly. Um, really, the best two teams are going to be Newcastle, Liverpool, um, from a points per ninety perspective. So. Uh, Chelsea sitting at 7.28 points per 90 on average, with Ben Chilwell actually their best uh, player points per 90 uh, currently at 10.68. So, you know, I'm bullish on the Chelsea wingbacks because they've always been successful, but I know that also used to exist in a five-back system where they got forward and crossed more. But they're at home against Leeds, who are quite dismal, and they have 42% clean sheet odds, so... I think you roll with that, especially if you already own them. Uh, there's probably not too many Chelsea streamers out there, but I've seen Koulibaly floating around. Um, I could be tempted into it, but as far as their, I mean, as far as their midfield options, like I almost feel more confident about Enzo than I do any of their new shiny other toys. Mm-hmm. And and I had a feeling that would happen. I knew the consensus on Enzo was, oh, he's a trap, he's a trap. But I mean, the other guys. You have no idea if they're starting or if they're playing more than 60 minutes any game. So those feel like traps. Yeah. Uh, as far as this Chelsea defense goes, obviously we're both assuming that Reese James and Ben Chill will start on the wingbacks. And then Thiago Silva's injury looks like it's going to keep him out. So it's between Koulibaly, Buddy Ashiel, and Fofana. Um, if they do go with a back three, I think those are pretty much your op- options Cucurella's kind of mixed in there too um but between those four options the only one that's realistically of going to be available in your league is Fofana at 36 percent rostered um so I am comfortable starting him in this matchup against Leeds mainly because I still can't really figure out how this Leeds team is being set up and their style of football now that Marsh is gone. Um, they don't look as gung-ho attacking as they used to. So it's going to be kind of difficult to figure out who on this team you can pick up, who you should start in this matchup. Uh, with that being said, who, who from this lead side are you comfortable playing? Um, you know, I said on one hand I like the Chelsea defenders, and I think this is just a defenders game. Um, mm-hmm. 
I'm comfortable starting Ailing, who's probably owned in your league. Um, but also Cooper and Furpo are fine. Uh, defender three. Uh, probably mid-tier options at that, so don't expect like 10, 12 points out of them, but you're hoping for like six or eight probably out of them. And I think that's pretty safe given Chelsea's struggle in front of goal. I mean, are you... The oddsmakers have them at almost one goal favorites. Are you are you nervous of a Chelsea thrashing here with Leeds? Um, I don't think so, but it's hard to tell because on one hand, you kind of look at Chelsea's form and you're like expecting it to continue because they just don't seem like they have the cohesiveness to score right now. They It looks like there's really no plan, um, but... All it takes is one game against a weaker opponent, which on paper this is, and they could come out here and score four and just go off against Leeds, and it kind of kickstarts the rest of their, or the remainder of their season. Um, And that's kind of why I was like very unsure of this Chelsea side, because I'm half expecting them to kick off and score a ton of goals in this match and then another part of me is like well I just watched what they did or didn't do against Tottenham and it's like if they play like that again they're probably going to lose so it's it's really hard to make a decision on that one um, like would you I start think... someone like Aubameyang if he starts this game no. no no just just because he's been out so long and Yes, he's a goal scorer, but I mean, this Chelsea team's still trying to gel together because they have so many new players um, from the summer and from the January transfer window. So it's they're still trying to like piece things together, and when you keep changing the rotate, like keep changing the eleven, you can't get that cohesiveness. And I think Aubameyang's just one of those players that if he doesn't score or doesn't touch the ball in the first half even he just gets so dejected and just removes himself from any game i don't know i just i don't like him as a player <laughs> right right i'm not i'm not necessarily against it i'm just doing a quick pulse check there yeah i, I tend but, to agree i mean i i do get where the leads defenders come into play here because chelsea do dominate the ball um they don't really do a whole lot with it but there do come block shots aerials, interceptions, tackles, all that comes into play with all of the Leeds defenders. And so it's kind of that gamble of they could ghost well, but I don't really expect them to keep any sort of clean sheet. So you maybe want to like set your floor at five or six points. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, They... You know, they gave up two to Tottenham, but I think I think they're I think they're a better team probably than they showed that game defensively. It's just they they are so impotent offensively that it's starting to kind of show and teams I think are not afraid of just going at them. Uh which which could hurt them with the active side like Leeds who have the ability to score, but again, I'm not really that worried about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about you, but um, you know, speaking of a team that really can't do much offensively, I see that Tottenham finally has a matchup that doesn't feel so daunting. 
Yeah, uh, Wolves at home to Tottenham. Tottenham are a .25 goal favorite here with an over-under of 2.5. Um, like you said, this Wolves side just, they don't score many goals. Um, I think we're both in agreement that Sarabia is probably the player to have for Wolves. Um, outside of him, are you really looking at any of their forwards or... I don't know, maybe they're wingbacks in this game. No, and even them, it's just like he got zero points today in 45 minutes against Liverpool. Um, I know he got almost 19 against Fulham the week before that with a goal, but I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced, and he is in the low-end, mid-three conversation, I'd say. Um, but I understand... At this point, he might be like one of your backup options. And as that, I'm comfortable, um, you know, rolling him out there. But I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't be looking wouldn't be looking forward to this matchup for sure. Yeah, I'm in the mindset of like without a double game week for Wolves, I'm really not interested in most of their players because a lot of them score less than ten points a game. And they so, get subbed out early, like very yeah, often. It's, they rotate very heavily. I mean, they have a very bloated squad, so which makes, um, makes no sense because they're. I do horrible. think, yeah, I do think that despite the frustrating FA Cup loss today, I'm still bullish on the Spurs defense as long as Romero is in the team. Um, they've been playing well recently, uh, as far as. Uh, Royale, Romero, Ben Davies, um, Dyer's kind of hit and miss, and then Longley is just there. Um, he doesn't score very well, and if he picks up the clean sheet, he'll get you like eight points. <laughs> um, but I, I think this game kind of sets up pretty well for how Tottenham are going to want to play in this, and Wolves are a team that do like to push forward. Um, they do have the wingbacks push up, and Tottenham are a team that want to give you the ball and play on the counter so away from home i think this kind of falls into their lap a little bit Uh, we'll see how everything plays out but i'm very comfortable starting the wingbacks and or uh romero the only player that you're likely to be able to stream from this spurs side is one of the defensive midfielders and i know skip scored that goal uh, against chelsea which his first goal ever for the club, awesome for him, but I don't think it's going to happen again in this game if he starts, so he's probably more of like a 6-7 pointer, um, and so is Longley. So if you want that, go for it. If not, I would just avoid those guys just because they don't offer much upside. You don't think he has another just complete banger in his in his pocket? <laughs> I, I would love him to have another one, but uh, I think that those are f- very few and far between hmm. so maybe next year he might pull one yeah out of his he's locker. just recharging <laughs> um anything you want to touch on as far as tottenham goes no 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 i leave that to the residential tottenham expert um, <laughs> unfortunately yeah <laughs> uh moving on to the last saturday game here we've got southampton hosting lester um, this one is actually a pick which is interesting to me um and we have an over under set at two and a half 
So Southampton, the side that just can't really seem to get anything going, even when they do get a positive result like they did against Chelsea, they can't really capitalize on it. Um, they can't build from it. Outside of James Ward-Prowse, um, which players on the Southampton side are you really keying in on as players you want to keep an eye on, um, players you want to start in this matchup? Yeah, so normally I'd really like – it hurts me, man. I, I think I may still start him. Paul no, Paul Onuachu. Uh, it's just the guy I can't keep, I can't quit, man. He just gets so many aerials. He has got a great floor, and he's playing Leicester City, who give up the most expected uh, point or expected goals plus assists uh, in the league right now. So I just I think him and Suleimana are just so tempting given their their newness. But I may mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'd start Suleimana. Um, the the debate with Onuachu for me is. Is his risk of minutes worth the risk of starting him in a home matchup against Leicester? Um, with, uh, you know, it's it, it's a pick 2.5 goals. So it's anyone's game by the odds makers, um, you know, decision. But he just, he makes me nervous. What do you think about him? Yeah, I think it's a tough one because he is a player similar to how we would stream Burnley forwards last year and years prior is, I mean, they get the aerial points. So they're like a guaranteed six, seven points a game. And sometimes they can nick a goal. Um, We really just haven't seen enough from Anawachu to like completely write him off. So I do think he's still a viable like forward three, just because he is capable of, the aerial points plus from like a corner you have a s- excellent set piece taker and james ward prowse so that only bolsters his uh outcome so i think i'd still keep the trust keep the faith uh i i do think southampton are going to be going down this year which is unfortunate um but i think he's someone that you can kind of just keep rolling the dice on until Either his minutes completely fall off the table or he's just continuously only scoring like less than five points a game. Yeah. Um, what do you think what do you think about Lester? Do you think Ihe and is gonna bounce back here? Um, I'm I'm kinda skeptical unless Madison comes back. But um, I'm optimistic as well. That's my one preface for Leicester in general is I tend to stay away from their attackers if Madison is not playing. So if Madison doesn't start in this match, I'm down on Ianacho, Tete, Barnes, everyone. Um, but on the flip side of that, we're just talking about Onowachu. If he starts, I am definitely going after Sutar and Feiss because of those aerials. I think that those two are going to be tasked with just keeping the ball out of the box when he's near. So I think they might eat into his points, um, especially Sutar being pretty much similar size. Um, But a lot of Lester depends on Madison. So that's just really a game time decision for me. Yeah. I, I'm cautiously optimistic about all of Lester this week against Southampton think that that sums it up for me (laughs) uh anything else to touch on in this one 
Nope, that pretty much does it. That pretty much does it. Southampton are bad. The end. <laughs> um, moving on to another few bad teams. Uh, first Sunday matchup is Nottingham Forest hosting Everton. This one is also a pick 'em. Over under set at two and a half. Uh, Nottingham at home are a much different animal than Nottingham away, and. I firmly believe that this team will survive solely based on their home form. Um, as far as the Nottingham Forest team goes, I think their wingbacks are in play. Orier's injured, so it looks like it's going to be Neko Williams and Renan Laudy. But as far as that, is there anybody else that you're kind of keeping an eye on? I know Brennan Johnson's good, but the rest of the team is just like, meh. So, does anyone kind of stick out to you? It's tough because Nottingham Forest is another one of those teams that I just don't watch. Um, I consider it generally a waste of my time to be doing that, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'd say you could get away with Felipe, give him just recent scores, uh, just, just be cautious. Um, they're, they're at home, obviously, at, and Everton. So, uh, a good combination here. Uh, you've got two... Uh, pretty bad teams, unfortunately, and sometimes defenders can feast off the inefficiency uh, within those matchups, especially the center backs just getting blocks and aerials and um, ta- you know tackles one and whatnot. So, I think you know Felipe as a streamer, especially given the point you're at here, might be one of the better um, streamers Sunday and on. Um, but I I do like those wingbacks, like you mentioned. I think they're both defender twos here. Given Everton's complete ineptitude in front of goal, and uh, I think John Joe Shelby would be one of the more controversial plays this week. If he does get the start, uh, you, you'd hope he goes 90 minutes, but there's no guarantee of that, as there's plenty of midfield options for, well, options in general for Nottingham Forest to employ. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about Nottingham Forest this week. Um, I like that they're at home, obviously, that you know we've discussed that ad nauseum. But I think there are still some options to be had on Everton that I'll let you touch on. Yeah, I think the Everton assets uh, really comes down to like two players, maybe three, depending on the game week. Um, McNeil and Awobi are the two, t- two players that you want. Um, and then I know we touched on Tarkovsky a little bit at the very beginning of the podcast, but he has sort of regressed from what he should be. Um, but he's still a player that you kind of want on your roster, at least when he does have a game up game or a matchup against a weaker side, like Nottingham Forest, you want to play him, but then everybody else on Everton, it's just kind of a crapshoot. Um, they were very good earlier in the season defensively and well out, out uh, well outplaying their XG, but it's finally caught up to them and they're just not scoring that well. So right now for me, I want McNeil, Awobi, and I'm kind of okay not owning anybody else, even Tarkovsky at this point. Yeah, I think that's fair. They're just so unappealing um, from a fantasy perspective. I know McNeil's a little bit more sexy and plays um, a good number of minutes, gets those ghosts, and seems 
as reliable as you're going to get. I, there's not a lot of assets like that out there, and I, um, you know, think you maybe hit the nail on the head saying he was going to be the best January pickup. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to one of the most exciting matchups of the game week. We've got Liverpool hosting Manchester United. This one is also a pick uh, over-under set at 2.75. Uh, when it comes to this game, I think everyone's kind of going to be in agreement as far as you're starting both sets of attackers. Um, all the forwards are in play, most of the attacking midfielders. Um, and then I think you're kind of playing both right back, left back of either side, um, whether it be Trent, uh, Rabo, or Dello and Shaw. Um, all those guys are in play. And then it kind of gets very murky as far as like the midfield goes and the center backs go. So we can kind of just mix these two teams together because they're quite similar in how they're structured. But what names kind of jump out to you in this matchup is someone you either want to stream or players you're just avoiding altogether? I mean, Liverpool midfield, if those of you are still living in, you know, 2020 right now, um, they're not good. Uh, For context, they are the second worst points per 90 uh, scoring midfield team. And... I'll let you guess who their best midfielder is in points per 90. Um, is there like a threshold of games played? Yeah, you got to have uh, 540 minutes, which is, I think, five games or so. I'm going to say or Fabinho. Ten, six games, maybe. Fabinho? Um, yeah, no, you're dead wrong. It's uh, <laughs> James Milner at nine points. Fair enough, because it's all the times he's filled in at uh, left or right back that he's getting all these points. Right, because their midfield <laughs> is just completely irrelevant. And, and and it makes sense, because they used to play so much through their wingbacks, right? And that hasn't been working as of late. So they're still trying it, or at least were. Uh, and a lot of that would bypass the midfield, which frankly doesn't exist. It doesn't have energy, doesn't have youth, um, unless like someone like Pochettich is in there. So... It makes sense they're not so good, so don't start them here. Um, Man United is a team that I think is going to boss this midfield, and I'm much more bullish on the Man United midfield side uh, with Fred and Sabitzer um, potentially deploying. I don't is Casemiro still out this game? I actually haven't even um, I checked that say one. He's back. Uh, I think he served his suspension, but I don't know because yeah, he would have because he wouldn't have been able to play in the League Cup final, wouldn't he? Oh, right. Yeah, I think that would have yeah. been his final He's game. He's back. Yeah, so, so it's kind of a toss-up between Savitzer and Fred of who's going to start. Well, I, I think it's going to be Savitzer and Casemiro. Yeah, I think so too. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be a toss-up between Savitzer and Fred to see who partners. Oh, 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 right, right. I'm like, yeah. I'm like uh, I mean, I know... No, Fred's deployed okay in and, and Casemiro's absence, but uh, he, he's no Casemiro, so... Yeah, uh, yeah. I, th- I think I think Sabitzer's a strong start. I, I would probably put him toward the mid three conversation since um, it seems like he's gotten Ten Hag's trust, and you know we'll see if they sign him next year. But he certainly s- seems to be working out as they're kind of in a pinch signing. It was a very mm-hmm. cost effective loan. 
Um, so, yeah, and I mean, other than that, I, I'm not really looking at the center backs on either team other than Virgil van Dyke, who I think most people will feel obligated to start. But I, I think, I don't know if it's a hot take, but I think you could afford to bench him this week. I think so, too. I think this one's going to be probably at least a 2-1, maybe a 2-2, 3-2-ish game. So unless he gets amongst the goals, he's probably going to score you like four points. So, Right. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. It, basically, if you're going to start a center back, it should be Virgil van Dyke. Other than him, no. So let's move on to the final game here of the game week. Uh, on Monday, we've got Brentford hosting Fulham. Uh, Brentford favored by half a goal with an over-under of two and a half. Uh, Brentford, also one of the sides that did not play this last game week. And it looks like Fulham are going to be without one of their more defensive midfielders in Paulina, um, having to serve a suspension for multiple yellow cards on the season. Um, as far as this game goes, this is the last stop for players. Um, are you really going to be holding off until Brentford and Fulham play to pick up streamers or kind of bank on uh, one of these guys starting in this matchup? Uh, no, but I, I mean, so let's say let's say you really need a mid. Um, just put yourself in those shoes, and you had a midfielder miss out in the. Uh, Gosh, I don't even think I'd want in the Nottingham Forest game, but <laughs> say say one of your one of your Leicester mids or you know some mid around there missed out, and you're you're forced into this game. I mean, I think this might be one of the more favorable matchups for a midfielder because um, it could be kind of back and forth. But uh, man, like De Silva, Yanel on on Brentford or who I'm eyeing up, and then Wilson on Fulham. It, those are the options I'm seeing, um, but I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, it's it's kind of tough because the players that score decently well for either of these teams are pretty well-owned. Um, so your Brentford midfielders that score decently in Norgard and Jensen – both above 60%. And then you have, uh, like, Yenlet, And then you have De Silva. I mean, I'd probably lean Yenelt. Or, yeah, Yenelt, not Yenlet. What the fuck am I talking about? But, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who's uh, this new guy that I should be checking Yeah, out? I just have dyslexia all of a sudden. I'm less sadistic. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably lean you know in that situation especially with Brentford at home I'd probably take him over De Silva or over any of the Fulham midfielders um, I think we could see a pretty significant regression in Fulham with Polinia uh, suspended because he is so active in that midfield breaking up play um, so I'm probably benching my Fulham defenders um maybe I'd still be okay with starting Tete, but I'd probably be out on Robinson, even though I know he's been playing well recently. Um, but that's just kind of where I'm at. Actually, here's an interesting interesting player here. Sasa Lukic for Fulham is going to potentially be the guy that deputizes for 
Paulinha got five points in 45 minutes. Is that sample size enough for you to play him over, say, Josh De Silva? Um, no, uh, mainly because anything can happen in 45 minutes. He could have scored an absolute screamer and set the world alight. But, I mean, I just I can't put my trust in only seeing someone play half of a game. Right, right, right. I mean, I, I tend to agree, but I think for him the appeal is mystery box on his end and the fact that he's also just not Josh De Silva. So, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and Solomon, are you, are you looking to start him here? I, I would imagine he gets the start after he's been just so amazing for Fulham so far. I mean, I would assume it's time to bench Decord over Reed, but uh, who knows what's going to happen. I think Solomon scored in like two or three games that he's appeared in. Yeah, the last three games that he came on as a sub, he scored. So, I mean, start him. <laughs> it makes more sense. Uh, so I would roll the dice on at least picking him up and having him as an option it's just really hard to personally i have a very hard time waiting until the last game week or the last game in yeah. the game week to like start a player especially someone that hasn't started a game yet he actually started so, yesterday not a league game yet yeah so <laughs> and that actually worries me even more he just played midweek and now he's going to play again uh i mean he should because he doesn't have many minutes in the league, so you would think he'd be fine to play two games in a row. Um, but, yeah, it's just hard to pick someone up that has been more of a super sub and expect him to continue the form of playing for, like, 20 minutes and scoring a goal. Uh, I mean, you hope he starts, but it's it's kind of just a too big of a gamble for me. Great. What do you say we get into uh, some of your – Amazing picks for this week. Oh, yeah. I have total faith in all these guys. So, yeah. Let's uh, jump to our starts of the week. Uh, we'll start off with defenders. We'll just run through all of them since uh, Peter's not with us. But uh, in defense, I've got Sutar. I know we mentioned him when we mentioned Lester. Uh, but as long as Onoachu starts for Southampton, I think that Sutar is a great defender to have on your team because he's going to claim all those aerials. At least there will be more of a chance that he does. Um, midfield option, kind of just touched on it. He's a little bit over the streaming threshold, but Matthias Jensen um, scoring relatively well, right around that like 10 to 11 point range. Um, so I think he's a good play and then attackers I know I kind of had to persuade you on this one but Jordan Ayu um, not the other Ayu brother I know we made that mistake earlier <laughs> uh, but Jordan Ayu Crystal Palace as a forward 11 ghost points in his last two games I think he can continue that trend and at least score you 8 points so as a forward 2 or 3 um, if you're rolling him out there with someone like, uh, I don't know, maybe you own Holland or Kane or uh, I don't know who else. Let's see. Sala. I mean, if you have your definitive forward one, um, 
just picking this guy up as someone to accompany them. So I think he's a good shout. Yeah. Um, I don't think I hate any of those, honestly, especially your defender. Uh, I just happen to be pivoting to his, uh, you know, fellow new team member as well. Uh, Victor Christensen at left back for Leicester. He's kind of been a key player in this team. I don't see him being kicked out by uh, Pereira anytime soon. Over this past uh, four games, he's got six and a half, uh, seven and a quarter, eight and a half, eight point seven five points. So I think in a matchup against one of the league worst teams, you've got to like the fact that he's got a floor of you know six to eight ghost points and. Um, you know, has the potential of getting an attacking return. He definitely does get forward and he gets involved. He passes the eye test for me. He looked, I mean, he's had some real tests so far with Tottenham, Man United, and Arsenal. And mm. it should be interesting to see him as he kind of goes into a bit of an easier schedule with Southampton, Chelsea, Brentford, Palace, Villa, Bournemouth um, coming up. So I, I actually feel comfortable starting in most of those games. And I think he's going to be a good uh, safe bench option for people looking for one. Only 10% owned. Um, and then moving on to midfield, I got Sabitzer. Like we talked about earlier in the Liverpool matchup, I think he's um, going to be part of that Man United midfield that outworks the Liverpool midfield. Un- unfortunately, um, I clearly uh, <laughs> am not excited about that portion of it. But I think he's going to have plenty of chances to get forward. And he's going to help dictate the play now that he's got Casemiro next to him. Hmm. Instead of Fred, who kind of likes to get forward a little bit more. And then I've got Ihe Nacho as my attacker. Uh, I come back to him. Uh, you'll notice I kind of like to pick attackers that are of the, um, you know, out of form or maybe not in completely great form uh, category. He he was hot before, obviously, two, three weeks ago, but uh, he's cooled off a little bit since. And I think he comes back against Southampton uh, with the positive matchup. The only caveat I'd have for him is uh, I'd really hope to see James Madison in that starting lineup because I think him and Madison showed a real good uh, set of chemistry together. And whenever he and Nacho started, um, he's generally scored pretty well uh, other than these last couple games. So I'm going to keep the faith in them and roll him out. And I think he'd be like a forward two, a uh, high-end forward two if Madison's in. Otherwise, he's probably more in the forward three category. Uh, definitely high on Lester this weekend. Um, but let's, uh, I don't want to dismiss this question that we got in here from Frog Targa, but we have talked about Tarkovsky a lot this pod. Um, he asked, he's been asking himself this for weeks now. When is it safe to drop Tarkovsky? He's got this name value, but you look at the points and it is dismal. Um, Right now, he is sitting at one. No, sorry. I'm in the wrong setting for this. Uh, let's see. 8.23 points per game. Um, last scores, negative 2.5, 6, 21, 3, 25.25, 1.25, 4.25, negative 3.5. I mean, it's... It's not boom or bust because he rarely scores in the negatives, but it's it's difficult because, like he says, he does carry that name value. I do think he's still like a solid defense two, 
on his day. It's just that Everton carry that threat of being scored on almost every game week and multiple goals at that. Um, my thing is, is I would rather drop someone like, I don't know, a West Ham defender if they have a rough matchup rather than Tarkovsky. Um, and just kind of rotate him out and make sure I have him on my roster for when he plays in a positive matchup, kind of like Nottingham Forest, even though they are away from home, but Forest isn't that potent of an offense. He should score relatively well this weekend. Yeah, I'm of the opinion you just can't drop him. Um, I know it's easy to say that when he's fifth, overall in defender scoring and like you mentioned his points per game are solid and it looks like 98 percent of other leagues agree with that but um you know he's he i i understand the argument against right it's getting to week 26 you've only got 13 weeks left of this season and you're looking at a player who's out of form on a bad team who you never really feel confident about starting Um, and I don't know if their matchups are particularly great approaching, but, um, what we got Nottingham Forest, Brentford, Chelsea, uh, I'd say neutral. Um, but you know, I think, I think defenders are going to have their ups and downs. So Mm -hmm. you have to, you have to accept when they have their ups and downs and, and move on and pivot. Like, like Nate was saying earlier, it's super important to be able to, uh, pivot at defense, especially this year, since they have scored as a whole so bad. So I'd say just, you know, you could usually your team can afford to keep one or two kind of bench anchors and I think he's just he's just yours right now. Um yeah. I, but I think you can start him against Forest this week. I know they're at home, which we have mentioned seven times so far is <laughs> much scarier than them away, but I I'm still struggling to find a different option than him. Yeah, personally. I agree. Um, I think that's going to wrap it up for us today. Uh, appreciate you guys listening, making it this far. If you have, uh, we thank you so much for tuning in with us today, whether it's your first time or you've listened to us since we started. Uh, we appreciate all you guys. We love this community. Um, with that being said, if there's ever any questions, you guys need some insight or some help from week to week. Do not be afraid to mention or, uh, ask us questions on twitter you can find us at pl underscore on tap um that being said good luck this week and peace out cheers